0: Matthew 18, and we'll uh, <clears throat> read the text here. And tonight we're going to talk about gospel ministry to children in Matthew 18. And I, I hope everybody uh, pays attention and cares um, about this because it's important to the heart of Jesus. And so we want to um, take note of that especially. Matthew 18, Matthew 18, and we'll read verses 10 to 14. And again, the theme here of the text is gospel ministry to children. And we'll do two things in this message. We'll take note of the main points that Jesus makes in in this passage. And then the second thing we will do is we'll make four points that relate to for us in having a plan to share the gospel. Okay? All right? So first of all, we'll look at the text and see what Jesus is saying here. Matthew 18 and verse 10 Jesus says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus is, I believe, obviously talking about kids and the need for kids to be saved. So we're going to look at that in just a moment. As I'm thinking about what we're talking about tonight, our subject... How many of you have heard of the Heimlich Maneuver? Raise your hand. The Heimlich Maneuver. How many of you have ever done that for someone else? All right. All right. How many of you have had that done to you? Kids probably have. You just don't remember. All right. Yeah. I mean, I've, ha- I've never had it done for me. It's basically... Come here, Grant. Grant's like, wait, I was drawing something. Come here. <laughs> so it, I don't know. The, I can't remember the exact, but it's basically, you know, you over here, bud, and he's choking, and you do something like this, and then you, you pull in and up, and you just to eject that piece of hot dog that you didn't chew up good enough, and it goes, and flies onto Noah's plate, so you just go, because huh, Grant's like, oh, oh, oh. and he can't say, dad, I'm choking, I notice it, and so I just, huh. all right. So that's the Heimlich maneuver. I mean, when we had our babies, our babies would choke, and sometimes I would just, I could tell you stories on that alone about our little toddlers, a few babies just going <laughs> on something. I'd flip them up, and I'd, and I'd actually hold them by the legs, and I'd let them, they'd actually be falling down, and I'd just, be boom, 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 oh, there's a nickel. That happened with one of them, they had a nickel. And then other things we could tell more stories about. Uh, The Henry's gagging on things, both food and non-food, okay? Um, But the Heimlich Maneuver, this is interesting. The guy that invented that, his name is Dr. Henry Heimlich, and he is an American. Uh, The anti-choking maneuver was developed in 1974. And um, he also, besides that, which I'll tell you about, besides developing this anti-choking maneuver, he also in 1962 developed something that they still use today, in some surgeries called the Heimlich chest drain valve, which is also uh, credited, which, which was credited when it first came out with saving many of our Vietnam soldiers um, when they were having some issues. And it's still used today for, for those undergoing chest surgery, the Heimlich uh, chest drain valve. But the Heimlich maneuver to help save somebody from choking, uh, again, was developed in 1974. And I read that they believe it has saved uh, over 100,000 people uh, in the United States alone. And of course, I'm sure some of those things uh, don't go reported of when somebody else was saved and they didn't report it. But that's a pretty good thing, 100,000 or more people saved by that plan, that maneuver to get that, that meat or that hot dog or that chunky piece of cheese out of somebody's throat and to uh, let them breathe again and live a little longer. I read that... The people who have benefited from it include President Reagan, and I'm glad about that. I'd like to have him a little longer, you know. Um, I don't. These are just people. Share. She was uh, helped by that. Uh, New York Mayor Ed Koch, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Carrie Fisher, and some other, you know, celebrities have benefited from that Heimlich maneuver. And then I read in 2014, Clint Eastwood was somewhere in California, and he saved a golf tournament director from choking on this piece of cheese by using the Heimlich maneuver on him. And so that's pretty neat. Well, it's, pretty, it's, it's neat that somebody has a plan to, to help save somebody from choking. They have a plan and a technique. And God has a plan to save people, the souls, our souls, from hell – and it's up to us to go and help deliver that gospel. The, God, the plan is the gospel. Save, the hearing and believing the gospel is His saving plan. But we're the ones to bring that plan and make that plan known to people. And even then, we have to have a plan in how we particularly make that plan, that gospel message known. We need to have a plan to share the gospel, just like there's a plan to help save someone. And um, and so, here, here, God has a plan to save people, and it includes children. So, uh, right here in this text, in Matthew 18, let's look at four things that Jesus says about gospel ministry to kids. Four things we see about gospel ministry to children. The first thing is that we do not despise children. Jesus says this... Um, verse 10 take heed that you despise not you can go ahead and go to the next page item it shows all the points take heed that you despise not one of these little ones for i say unto you that in heaven their angels do behold do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven so jesus is speaking about kids and jesus is telling adults who are know the gospel and then are following him don't despise the little ones um that is don't overlook ministry to kids sometimes what you know when we my wife and I you see this at church we do this all the time as parents i you do it i do it you know we're talking together you and i are talking you know, the, the adult the parents are talking and then our kids come up and we want to help our kids if they have a question but a lot of times like hey th- th- this is you know this is not for you you know i'm having a conversation about something pertaining to uh, whatever else, and this isn't for you. And we could just, just wait, you know. And uh, sometimes my kids, they want to might want to interject. They're like, no, 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 not on this one. And, and that's fine on our, a lot of our conversations. But with the gospel, Jesus says, as far as the gospel, no, don't despise them. They, they're a part of this conversation, is what Jesus is saying. They're a part of that. And not to be overlooked, there's a lot of uh, people that have... How many of us were saved before age 15? before age 15, okay? All right? Or by or before. Okay, looks about half of us real quick. And then some of us probably maybe a few more in their teenagers and then a little less after probably age 19 or 20. The likelihood of being saved happens most likely in youth. And so Jesus said, don't despise these little ones. Number two, what else is Jesus saying as it relates to gospel ministry to kids? They are lost, they're lost. Uh, verse eleven, it says, um, "For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost." Now, the, everybody that is born is born in sin. In sin did our mother conceive us, and we are go astray from the womb, and all have sinned. And there is a certain sense we—I don't know what formally we call it by way of doctrine—but there's a we know based on some scriptures that babies and so on go to heaven we have some bible verses that would point that you know those that are unaware in that sense uh go to heaven Uh, david when his infant died he said i shall go to him he shall not come to me and david where was david going he's going to heaven to behold god's face and and so there's that indication that now Young ones go to heaven, but there's an age where we don't know what the age is. At what point is God going to hold them accountable? What is the age of accountability after a baby's born? Is it five, six? I have no idea. Maybe it's different for each child. But the point is, Jesus still looked at him as lost. He says, the Son of Man's come to save that which is lost. In the conversation of talking about kids, we're lost in the sense of we are sinners and we're, we don't seek God. God seeks us through his Holy Spirit and through the gospel message. And so we want to be part of that process of God seeking people, even kids. They're they're lost, Jesus says. And then he even elaborates, number four, number three, they are worth seeking. Kids, our own kids, other children, are worth seeking over even the safely corralled ones. So Jesus said, How do you think? What are you thinking? What do you think? How think you If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be lost, will he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which has gone astray? Can you imagine that? Jesus knew the men that, and they knew of they knew of uh, taking care of sheep and, and so on. And he says, guys, what do you think about? If one of your sheep, they're corralled, they're taken care of, but one of them has gone astray, aren't you going to leave those and go look for the one? Yeah, because he... The idea is they're already, they're already congregated together. They're corralled. There's probably an under-shepherd that would take care of them if they're not corralled. Absolutely, I'll spend all my time looking for one lost sheep. And then he says, and when he findeth it, look what it says. Verse 13, And if so be he findeth it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. In other words, the shepherd has the hundred sheep, one of them's lost. He's like, all right, I got to go. go find this one. Under shepherd, see to these. And he goes and he goes and he goes and he goes and he brings it back. He's like, I'm so happy I found this sheep. You know, and it could be like, well, you already got 99. What's the big deal? Yeah, but they're already fine. I'm so happy we recovered one. You know, sometimes I get like that. I love, I love, and I think all of us love to see these, she- these seats filled, right? We all do, and there should be more people tonight here. And so I love that, and that is thrilling, but I love even more when one person is saved in or out of a service or in my car or at my house or anywhere, I love that more, kid or adult in this case. Um, And that's what Jesus is saying. And then as it relates to children, he's saying it is worth it to have, you got a stable kids class, fine. It's worth it to cut out time to go look for one more kid that's lost and lead them to the Lord or bring them under the sound of the gospel. That's worth it. And that's why sometimes like even next Sunday night, and it's just a small thing. I'm like, we don't need a service. We're being fed enough. Let's go canvassing. And that's why we, ha- we need to put the emphasis. We got to keep our, em- our balance. You know, there's a balance of we, f- we need to eat. We need to worship spiritually, but we need to go after other people. And I think uh, I need to help us be balanced a little more on the other end. But Jesus is saying going after them is worth it. Seeking them is even one is worth it. And then number four, the fourth thing he says, it is not God's will, verse 14, that any should perish, that one should perish. Look what it says in verse 14. Even so it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. That's interesting. It's not God's will that one child go on without Christ and not be saved. And then one day perish, young or old. It's not His will. It's not His desire. So it shouldn't be my desire. Whatever God's desires are, I want to adapt in mine and let Him come out of me. That's kind of how we need to look at life. So that is what Jesus is saying from this text. Let's go to the next slide here. And so... To translate that for us, for Royal View Baptist Church today, this month, this year, is I want to, we need to kind of have a communication plan for gospel to kids. And so I'm just going to talk through a couple of these things. The the communication plan to communicate the gospel to kids is number one, communicate. (laughs) We have to say the gospel. Um, We have to, I mean, I have to say it when I'm preaching. When we have our weekly kids classes, it's got to be put in there. Uh, somehow, some way, with some frequency, but it, particularly for Bible time, every time. The way this is designed is that you know, no, you might get one kid visiting that one day and not come back again. We got to get the gospel in our lessons, in our missionary stories, in the preschool, in the primary, in the junior. The Bible time evangelist for the evening—they'll do it. We have to communicate the gospel. I didn't get the Bible text up here, uh, but Mark sixteen, Jesus said to every creature every creature needs to hear the gospel going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and then 1 corinthians 9 says woe unto me if i preach not the gospel and um i i told you one time i had a guy i did a we did a funeral and i, and I have to pinch myself to make sure that I, you know i just stay sober i want that sober mind that paul communicated in 1 Corinthians 9, where he says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. But I got to, had the privilege of doing a funeral one time for one of the Spanish ministry families, and it was a grandmother that died, but the grandmother was, sa- was saved, and we did this. There was a, a building we used over here on, I don't know, somewhere in Mesa, maybe Broadway, Wrecker. we used a building for a memorial service, and I got to do this uh, memorial service. Jose was there, we translated, it was packed. There was a lot of people there. Um, family of this of this lady, and uh, our some of our Spanish ministry members and attendees, and then a bunch of other people. And I'm like, "This is great. I love that. I mean, I don't. Nobody wants anybody dying, but a wedding. You get a short, you know, short little bit. You can get at a wedding. Get the gospel in there. It's easy to segue. In the funeral, there's a way you could get the gospel in 20 seconds if you need to. Um, but I had more than that. And they were listening. I was like, this is great. And so we 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 talked about life and death and eternity and and then just got to give the um, sin fighting gospel. Because that's what it does, right? And dealing gospel. And that's what we did. And communicated it. And then let it go. And the rest of the service went on. Somebody sang, somebody did testimony, or whatever. And I went to the back and I stood back at this at the back and there was a guy that was like the funeral home guy that was going to take the body or whatever. And, he, and, I, and I stood at the back, I was sat at the back, and I'm looking toward the front, and he's right there. And, and um, I was just standing there and letting the rest of the service go. And he goes, I'm glad somebody preached the gospel. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And he said, I go to these all the time. And I hear a whole bunch of hymn hauling around and this and that, but I don't hear the gospel. And I started going, yeah. And then right away, that verse, "Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel." There's nothing to glory up there. It's like I better, if I'm even deformed in the face, and I mean this, and I can make a noise, I better do that. And so, um, and so you look. Okay, so we have so all right, we gotta get it in there. You got kids listening, we're gonna have teenagers listening. Say that gospel. (laughs) We're busted in sin, every last one of us. And there's a consequence for that: hell and the lake of fire. And Jesus came to intervene there to stop that. He had to make a payment that you couldn't pay for. God commends his love for us. He did it out of love. That while we are sinners, Christ died for us, and so that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. This is a sincere issue, and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. You will be saved, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does anybody want to do that? And that's what you do: first communicate it, and then we somehow invite a response. Um, you know, in, in, in class, and or it, it'll be done in the rally, and and um, obviously sometimes the pastor does, but. There's some way where you can say, here's the gospel, now you can respond. It's free. Believe. You can believe at your seat. Do you want to believe? Today is the day of salvation. Or do you want to come? Come forward and talk to Miss So-and-so. She's ready to counsel you, little ladies. Uh, come forward and talk to Brother Adam Teens. He can talk to you about the Lord after the, the teen service. And there'll be a inviting. You say, what is this invitation stuff? That's just some kind of man-made thing of modern evangelism in America in the last couple hundred years. It's really not. There's some techniques that maybe are, but do you know Jesus did invitations? He said he stood on that great day of the feast when there's a bunch of people around and there was a water issue and he said, come, if anybody's thirsty, come unto me and drink, he said. There was this invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord even says in the Old Testament, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is an inviting God. There's a verse in, um, or even Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you that weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. In Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And so in a sense, we're not saying come to me and I'm the savior, we're saying come respond, move, take a move, make a move. And if you can't get up from your seat, make a move of faith right there and open your mouth and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So there's this compelling, there's this inviting to come. And in our case, if we are here and we're in a scenario, whether it's in your class, maybe Mr. Rusty's teaching and uh, Miss, Mrs. Devon's the helper and Mr. Rusty gives an invitation and a few kids even respond within the class, then Miss, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Devon will help deal with that and she will respond to the response. And that's the, the next thing is we have to discern the response of people. A lot of people even in the Bible responded to Jesus. But even then there was some time of what was this, what was this you know, is this a superficial thing? Or they, oh, they're coming here because they want some food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And so the same thing with us. We got, well, What are, what are they responding? Are they misunderstanding? Or is there some other motive here? And so if we have counseling, even you teenagers, you may need to, we might need you. If you know the gospel and you know you're saved, you know the Romans wrote a few Bible verses on the gospel, you might be needed to sit down and talk to somebody, maybe your own little brother or sister, and say, hey, why would you raise your hand? I was tired. Okay, then. Or somebody told me to, or you ask them questions. Why are you responding? And if the answer is, I want to be saved, then then we have, now we can talk. If it's like, he told me to. He said, if I do, I'll get candy afterwards. No, you'll get candy afterwards anyways. Don't worry about that part. Is there anything else? Yeah. And you just try to discern people, try to discern kids, even adults, you know, that... uh, I've had people come to me, and uh, it doesn't happen that often, but they got some life problems. <laughs> they just need, you know, I just, I need God in my life, man. I need God in my life. And Pastor, can you help me? And and I'll be like, that's great. But I'm trying to like, what in what sense do you mean you need God in your life? You're behind on your bills, and so you just want God to help pay that bill? I don't know if that's going to happen. So I try to find out really what a person is really responding to when they respond to me by way of a phone call or even sometimes an invitation. I want to make sure that they know, you know what, what you really need is your debt of sin taken care of. you got a big bill with God. Your other town of Gilbert bills nothing and the, your, your credit card bills nothing. There's a big bill with God. And so I try to help discern that. So we want to discern the, a response of a child when they come forward by asking them, why did you raise your hand? Why did you come forward? And ask it kindly, and you'll be able to go from there. And then the, and the fourth thing is we counsel. Whenever you sit down to counsel, even though the gospel has been given, if you get one-on-one with somebody, and by the way, let me stop a second. A person could get saved right after this. They don't have to even go through all that. I was. Let me, let me just stop right here. I heard the gospel from my mother. I heard it in my Christian school. I heard it in my Sunday school. And I bowed my head to, and prayed to accept Christ in my Sunday school class at Tri-City Baptist Church in like 1979. And then later on, like a month or so later, I was in their junior church. And I don't even know who was teaching, but I, they had an invitation. And I responded. To, it was a large junior church. I, re- found, I remember coming forward and responding. And I went in. They, somebody sat down with me and counseled me in, in the little room there. And after I counsel, they counseled with me, I'm like, and they prayed with me. But after I was done, I'm like, I, I knew I did that. That's exactly what I did when I was in That's kindergarten a month ago. And that's what I knew. But I'm glad somebody took a little time with me. But I was saved right here. And it can happen right there in your seat. But to be thorough, i want like, well, let's have a response. And let's discern the response. And especially with kids, you know, let's counsel with plain scriptural truths. We deal with sin. There's no gospel if there's that's no right. known sin. There's, nothing, there's nothing's good news. It's not good news for a person if you tell them, hey, man, I got a lawyer to help you. He'd be like, help me with what? I'm fine. That's how it is when people preach the gospel without making sin known. And this is, this is, a, this is an interesting thing, and I've tried to see how I can better fit into my life and ministry, is that if you really listen to gospel preachers like even the last 400 years, pre-1900 even, they were preaching against specific sins and the, bringing the gospel. Um, preaching against and, and bring, bearing out the law of God and bringing the gospel. Because they're making, what, is the, what does it say? Uh, Paul talks about the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And so when it translates down to me sitting down and talking, even with one of my boys or my girls, when I've got to lead them to the Lord, <laughs> you know, well, God says, why do you, you want to be saved? Why? Because I want to go to heaven again. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Is there anything wrong with you? I'm just not saved. I know, but is there something wrong with you? I just need Jesus. Why? So we might have to work with that. Like, do you ever lie to mom? You know, and you walk through that. This is, it, it is very serious truth, but it needs to be translated down to the heart of that child. And at some level, even a child needs to be convicted of their sin. Like, yeah, you've sinned. You've done it willfully. You've willfully lied. You've willfully stolen. That's why we need to have Jesus. Not so that we can say, tell our friends, I'm saved. And see, it's in my Bible. It's all personal (laughs) between you and God. And so we make sin known. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is death. What kind of sins have you done? I, I would actually deal that with an, old, an adult, a teenager, or a child. I, you know, here's some sins I've done. And I name them, basically contrast myself with the Ten Commandments. Again, otherwise... See, nobody... want to skip over that part. Let's get to the sugar. sugar. But we've got to get to the law-breaking And then deal with that. Now the good news is good news when you see there's a Savior to to answer the sin issue. And so therefore, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, Romans 6.23, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Savior did what? He went to the cross, He was buried, and He rose again. So that if you, in simple faith, the next thing, confess with your mouth. That's evidence of that faith the Lord Jesus. And believe in your hearts not just saying it, but it's genuine from within that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You want to confess with your mouth Jesus did and tell him you want to be saved and call on him? I think so. Well, then we can let you do that. Maybe you can. And then at that point, if a person's ready to have faith, whether it's adult, teen, or child, I'll pray for them, and I'll oftentimes I'll just let them pray in their own words. Call out to Jesus. Tell them what you believe, and tell them you will, you're asking Him to save you. You're trusting in Him, and that is basically some basic steps to lead somebody to the Lord. watch this, it's a basic plan. To some people to keep people from choking on their own sin nature and dying. Right? Heimlich had him. He had a plan. Something. To help people, and so we gotta have some kind of plan. And so I, I want to encourage us with this. Um, there, I read something, and we'll close here. It was really interesting to me to read this about this guy Henry Heimlich. Um, not because his name's Henry, it's such a wonderful name, but <laughs> I realized that. So he was—he actually died in. Um, May something, 2016. So what is that? Six years ago. He just died. And uh, he was like 96 years old. So in the 60s, he invented this method of for the long thing, and then anti-choking method, 1974. Lived, you know, 40-something years after that. And so many people used it, and it's rescued so many people. In the last year of his death, pardon me, he died not in May. It was December of 2016. In May of 2016, he was in a retirement home himself and um, living there, and he had never once done the Heimlich Maneuver on somebody else, for real. Maybe on a mannequin or something. He would never once done it. But here he is in his retirement home, probably at the community center. Somebody is finishing their shuffleboard game. I don't know. And there's this lady starts choking on some meat with some bone, or some bone in it. Another 80-something-year-old lady is choking. And of all people near her, <laughs> Dr. Henry Heimlich, 96 years old. This is a true, you can look this up. Uh, and he said, and sure enough, he opposed, he helped her. But he, afterwards, he said, I didn't know I could really do it until the other day. And referring to this day I'm telling you about, and she was took and he went to the maneuver on her. And that bony piece of meat came flying out and she was rescued by the inventor of it. And uh, it just, and it, it, it in, in he, he died later that year in a Cincinnati hospital But to me, it made me think. You know, it's like you—we have sometimes we have a good plan, but we never actually get to execute it. And he got to execute a good plan. It's just just pray to God, say, God, I have a plan. I I see here is a good plan to share the gospel. Give me the opportunity to actually execute it with somebody. I'm learning Bible verses. Give me a chance before, before the end of this year to sit down and help somebody be delivered by sharing them the gospel be delivered from their guilt of sin and, and have a genu- lead them to a genuine heart faith in Jesus that's what we want to do i pray god would help us and i pray he helps us especially be ready to deal with kids of whom jesus is very obviously you see the bible cared about so